Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. John chapter 15 is where Julie is going to be sharing with us this morning uh, as we continue to progress through our studies in the book of John. So John chapter 15, and we're going to start reading at verse 1 in John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thank you. 
Thanks, Roger. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning to those watching from home as well. It's lovely to see you all today. I wonder how old you were when you could remember your earliest memory. Hands up if you can remember something from when you were two. Anyone? Oh, Ross, well done, okay. What about three? Yeah, a few more hands, what about four? A few others. My earliest memories are around the age of three or four. One of them being when the boys locked the girls in the kindy cubby house and all the girls were screaming. I remember that really well. But the other really strong memory I have is of my mum and I going shopping to a fabric shop. And I want to just put a disclaimer out that this is my memory. My mother might have a totally different memory of this, okay, or a totally different account. But we went to a fabric shop, and in those days, all the materials used to stand upright, um, all the bolts of material. So when you're only four, they appeared really, really high. So we went into this fabric shop, and mum was looking for something. She used to sew all of our clothes. And um, she told me, and I remember this, she told me to stay there. She just had to go with the shopkeeper to find something. Stay there, Julie. And like any four-year-old, I did stay there for a while. <laughs> and then I kind of forgot that she told me to stay there. And I thought, oh, I wonder where mum went. And I, off I went through the bolts, the tall bolts of material towards the back of the shop. Meanwhile, my mother comes back, freaks out because the four-year-old that she told to stay is no longer there. So she runs out the front of the shop towards the road, searching madly for this child who is missing. Meanwhile, I come back meandering through the bolts of fabric as she comes back into the shop and we see each other. And I remember distinctly feeling so happy that I had found my mother and I'm kind of proud of myself that I had found her. She, on the other hand, was very stressed and kind of mad at me for not staying where she had told me to stay. And so that has stayed with me. It kind of crushed my spirit a little bit. It's okay, Mum, I have forgiven you. <laughs> but I, I understood when I myself became a mother and lost a child in a shop and experienced the same thing that my mother had experienced at that time. In John 15, Jesus uses a similar word to what my mum had said to me at that shop, to the disciples. He tells them to remain, to stay. And he uses an illustration, illustration to show them what this looks like. You see, for three years, when Jesus called the disciples to them, for three years they had been together. They had traveled all over Jerusalem and Galilee with him. They had been together. And he, in this um, section of John, from chapter 14 to 16, he was preparing his disciples for him. He was going away. He, was, he knew the cross was coming up and he would be leaving them. But he was not going to leave them alone. And Roger talked to us last week about how he was going to send another, the Holy Spirit, who was going to be with them and be in them. And then he uses this illustration to help them to understand how to live in this new reality. The illustration is of a vine. And right up front, Jesus explains who everyone is in the story. 
He says in verse 1 that I am the true vine. So Jesus is the vine in the illustration. And just as a vine provides nutrients for the branches to grow and then produce fruit, Jesus as the vine provides everything that we need for life and living. He is the source of life for those who follow him. It is in him and him alone where life comes from and is lived out. He goes on to say that my father is the gardener. So God, as the gardener, shapes and cares for the vine. He does everything he can to make sure that the vine is the healthiest it can be to produce the best fruit. And in verse 5, Jesus states again, I am the vine. And then he says, you are the branches. Remember, he's speaking to his disciples. So that includes you and I. If you have committed your life to following Jesus, then you are the branches in this illustration. Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener, and we, his followers, are the branches. Are you with me so far? Excellent. Then from verse 4 to 10, he uses the word remain, and he uses it over and over. In fact, he says it 11 times. Now, if my mum had said stay 11 times, I might have heard her, but <laughs> she only said it once. But if a word is repeated so much, it must mean that Jesus is trying to make a point here. He wants us to remember something. And the point is that when he is not present with us, after he has left physically and the Holy Spirit is with us, this is what he wants us to remember. He wants us to remain. In some translations, they use the word abide. And it's the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O. And it means to remain, to abide, to stay. But he's not talking about remaining in a place, like my mum told me to do in the shop. But he's asking us to remain in a person. Jesus says in verse 4, remain in me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Eugene Peterson in the message puts it this way, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. Do you have someone that you just feel at home with? When you're with them, you can just kick off your shoes, you can make a cuppa in their kitchen, you can relax and just be yourself with them. That's what the word means. Jesus uses the word for himself and he invites us to remain in him, to be at home in him. The word remain is talking about relationship. Just like a branch needs to be connected to the vine to live, Jesus invites us to remain connected to him, to remain, to abide, to stay, to be at home with him. And it's not a one-sided relationship, it's a mutual relationship. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Jesus is inviting us into an intimate relationship with him where both parties participate in it. 
And in any mutual relationship, it's about spending time together, communing, listening, and sharing life together. So how do we do that? He says in verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So Jesus wants us to know him. Jesus wants us to know it is so important to listen to him. How did Jesus' words remain in us? Well, we could give the classic Sunday school answer and say, read your Bible. But it's not just that. It's not something we should read and do just to tick off a list so that God is happy with us. Rather, it's an invitation to getting to know someone. The way to grow in any relationship is to spend time together. You cannot rush relationship. To have a relationship with Jesus, we need to spend time together with him. For Jesus' words to remain in us, we need to have intentional, unhurried time spent in his word, where we linger over it. We let it settle in our hearts. We listen to his words. We memorize it. We allow time for it to be part of us. It's not a quick read to tick off a list, but it's a lingering. It's a getting to know him as he speaks to us. And as his words remain in us, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So prayer changes from something I should do to the conversation that you have with someone that you feel at home with, like sitting down and having a cuppa and a chat with someone we know and we love. It's deep communion with each other. When we spend time in his word, we will know him better and we will pray in line with his heart. This is when the Lord guarantees that we can ask whatever and it will happen. The most visual image we have of such an intimate relationship is of a husband and wife. A bride and groom make vows on their wedding day to commit to one another. A man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. This word cleave means to stay, to join. The husband and wife remain together. But just imagine if after that wedding ceremony, all they did was kind of have a quick chat now and again. They didn't confide in each other. They didn't seek each other's heart. They didn't grow to know each other deeply. What kind of relationship would that be? Would it last? None of us wants a marriage like that. And it is the same with our relationship with Jesus. We have a God who is in, who is fully committed to a relationship with us. He remains in us. He's not going anywhere. But it's on our end that the problem lay. We can be the ones who are not fully in. We can want the benefits of following Jesus without taking the time to invest in a relationship with Jesus. We get distracted. We forget. We often don't make it a priority. And it's something that it's at the end of our list to do after all the other things get done. We are often so busy that we have no time. So we say things like, oh, if I had more time, I, 
John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry says, the solution is not more time. It's to slow down and simplify your life around what really matters. It's not that we don't have time, but it's what we give our time to that's the issue. There are things that we are doing that suck a lot of time that are not necessarily beneficial. TV, scrolling on social media, YouTube, Netflix, all of these things suck enormous amounts of time from our lives. Important relationships take time. They have to be intentional. Jesus was a great example for us. He showed us how to do it. And even though he was busy in his ministry, as you read the Gospels, you will notice that he has a rhythm in his life where he often withdrew to a quiet place to be with God. And the busier he was, the more he withdrew. In this quiet place with his father, he got clarity over his identity and his calling. He was in touch with God and himself. And from that place, he knew what to say yes to, what to say no to. He lived life out of this intimate place with God. Now, if it was important for Jesus, how much more important is it for us? We too need this quiet place with God where we can remain in him. Be at home with him. A place where we can come back to time and time again and live life from this place. We often call it a quiet time. And Brian Heasley in his book, Be Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times says, a quiet time is simply a daily time that I set aside to specifically tune into God through prayer. Bible reading and reflection. It's a time when I not only speak to God, but ask God to speak to me. It also gives me the opportunity to examine my life on a daily basis to see if I am truly practicing my faith. It is the wellspring, oasis, and source of my life as a Christian. We all need a quiet time, a quiet place, free from distractions where we can connect with God, just you and him. And Jesus invites his disciples to this place often and he invites us. In Mark 6, he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. It's not going to happen unless we make it an intentional choice. We must prioritize it and cultivate it to be an intimate place where you settle in, kick off your shoes, You allow God's word to remain in you, to penetrate your heart, to change who you are as you spend time with him. I have a chair that I sit in every morning where I spend time with God. This is my quiet place, my place of encounter with him, where my relationship with him is cultivated. It's a choice that I make every day. Do you have a place that you can go to? If you have small children, you may need to get really creative about how you find that space. But it won't happen unless you prioritize it. 
If you've struggled in this area and you want some resources to help, the book that I mentioned before, Brian Heasley, Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Time, is one that I recommend. It's very easy to read, the chapters are really short, and it's simple to understand. And if you'd like to read it and then gather with some other people and chat about it, chat, hear what they do, um, this is our book for our next book club here at Whitehill in Term 2. We also have our Grow course coming up in June, where we're going to explore what it means to grow in our relationship with God. And you can register for both of these online at whitehill.church forward slash grow. So firstly, Jesus invites us to remain in him. And when we do, there is something that happens in us. In verse five, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Over and over, Jesus talks about the result of remaining. You will bear much fruit. That's why you plant a grapevine, isn't it? So that you will get grapes. That is the purpose of the vine. The vine supplies the nutrients and moisture that the branch needs to thrive and grow, and then it does what it was intended for. It produces fruit. But when a branch is not connected into the vine, it won't produce fruit, will it? How can it? Verse 4 says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So it's the same for us. Jesus is saying that when we are not connected to him, when we are not investing in our relationship with him, we won't be who he intended us to be. We won't live out our purpose. But if we remain connected to the vine, bearing fruit is inevitable. As you remain with him in relationship, spending time in his word, communing with him, then there will be fruit that will inevitably come from that relationship. And it comes in the character that is formed and shaped in you. This fruit that comes from the spirit formed in us when we remain in relationship with Jesus. In Galatians 5, it lists out the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul describes all of these qualities as Christ-likeness. When we remain in Jesus, his character is formed in us and we become like him. It's not about us trying harder to be more loving or to be more joyful or to be more patient. You know that doesn't work. It's got nothing to do with our will, but it's a product of remaining. It's what happens in us as we remain in him. As we remain, we will inevitably become more like Jesus. Christ will be formed in you. And this formation, is, this formation process is done under the careful watch of God as the gardener who takes good care of the vine so that it will produce as much fruit as it can. 
And there are two things that Jesus mentions that the gardener does. Firstly, in verse 2, it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. The verb translated cut off literally means to lift up or to take away. And the image is that when the vine is growing, there are branches that become heavy and they need to be lifted up on the trellis, given room so that they can bear fruit. Or there are branches that are just not growing the right way. They are going and choking the vine. They need to be taken away so that the vine will bear fruit. Verse 2 continues, while every branch in me that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So the branches that are bearing fruit, he prunes. And this word for prunes is the same word translated cleanse in other places. So the gardener cleans up the vine so it will bear more fruit. Have you ever watched someone prune a vine? It is surprising how much of the vine they prune off it seems like they are cutting away perfectly good growing branches. But a professional knows that by removing certain branches, it frees up space for the vine to produce even more fruit. God as our gardener knows perfectly well how to care for us and what to prune from our lives so that we produce the best fruit. He knows the attitudes, the reactions, the wrong desires, the things in our lives that are not like him. And even the seemingly good things, he prunes them so that we can grow to be more like him, to be the person that he intended for us to be. The only way that we can do this is to remain in him. If we don't remain, if we just try to live our lives under our own direction, under our own efforts, we are of no use to God. In verse 6, it says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. We will not do what we were intended to do. We will not produce fruit. There will be nothing that others can feed on from our lives to nourish them. Bearing fruit is what a vine is intended for. It provides food and nourishment for others. And a follower of Jesus is intended to become like his master so that others can be fed and nourished from the fruit that we produce. In verse 8, it says, This is my father, to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. A branch that bears much fruit brings honor to the one who cares for the vine. We don't say to each branch, oh, good branch, you're doing a good job of bearing fruit. We don't say that, do we? No, we give the honor and the praise to the gardener for growing such an awesome vine that's producing so much fruit. So as we remain and become more like Jesus, we bring honor and glory to God and we show ourselves to be his disciple. In verse nine it says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So just as the Father loved the Son, he has loved us. And we are invited into this loving union to remain in his love and show that we love him by obeying him just as Jesus obeyed his Father. And when we do, we bring joy to our Heavenly Father and we have joy because we are in right relationship with him. How much better would it have been for me to listen to my mum that day and stayed where she told me to stay? Instead of bringing, and I could have brought her delight, but instead I brought her stress and worry and sadness. When you love someone, you listen to them, you obey them, you spend time with them, you bring joy to each other. And as Jesus remains in us, we are invited to remain in him, in his love. And as we do, God the gardener shapes our character into the character of Christ. And this relationship happens between us and God in our hidden place, in our quiet place with him. But it doesn't stay there. In verse 12, Jesus goes on to say, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other. We are not meant to live life alone. When we follow Jesus and become his disciple, he gives us a new family. We become part of God's family. And Jesus says that in his family, we are to love each other. This is what my disciples will be known for, he says, a family that loves each other. I remember when my kids were little and they tended to fight with each other. I would sit them down and explain to them, we are a family, people. We need to love each other. We need to treat each other with respect. That's who we are. We need each other. And I said to my daughter, your brother is going to be bigger than you one day, so you need to treat him with kindness. But perhaps your family has been one that, gets, that um, hasn't gotten along. In God's family, it is important that we get along. There is one vine of which we are all a part. There is one family of which we are a part. Jesus says, love each other. And the way that looks is, as I have loved you. Verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is how much Jesus loved us, that he would be willing to lay down his life for us, even though we didn't deserve it. His love is a love that is not earned it is one that is given freely as a gift, but it came at a great cost. It is a love that treats you as a friend on the same level. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't look down at you as a servant. He treats everyone the same. This is my command, love each other. 
Jesus knows that when he is gone, his disciples will need each other as well as their relationship with the Holy Spirit. They will need the fellowship and support of each other as they face the world together. They will need to have each other's back. And that is true for us. We are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus says that we are to love each other. How are we going at loving each other here at Whitehill? It's so easy to criticize each other, to compete with each other, to fight with each other as many families do. But Jesus says in my family, we are to be known by our love for each other. That should be our primary response to each other, just as Jesus loved us. We are to be each other's greatest support, praying for each other, encouraging each other, bearing with each other, forgiving each other, loving each other even if we don't deserve it and even if it costs us. This is not possible unless we choose to remain, to be at home with Jesus. As we remain and make our home with Jesus, as we spend time dwelling in his word, communing with him, we will bear much fruit. We will become like him. And together as we love each other, we can reach out to others so that they too can know him. And the way to do that is to learn firstly how to remain, how to abide. I want to leave you with some questions this morning. Up on the screen, firstly, how healthy would you describe your branch? Are you connected to the vine? Are you prioritizing your relationship with Jesus? Maybe it's a chance for you to reorder your life. How long is it since you've witnessed fruit growing in your life? If you are remaining, fruit should be evident. Ask others, they will soon tell you what's um, going on for you. And thirdly, how are you going at loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? Maybe you are quick to criticize, but not quick to encourage. This might be the thing that you need to work on with God. How am I doing at loving his family? My prayer for all of us is that God would teach us how to remain with him, how to abide. And from that place, we would become more and more like him so that we can love each other and we can bear fruit that the world can feed on and be nourished from. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your invitation to remain with you, to abide in you to have a relationship with you, Lord. I know that you are so fully in, you are committed to us, and yet we so often are not committed to you. Lord, would you teach us to abide with you? Would we, would we choose to accept your invitation to come and be at home with you? Lord, would you grow us? Would you form us? Would you, would you form your character within us? Would you change us to be more and more like you? And Lord, would you teach us to love each other, to act as a family, act as your family and love each other well. 
as we become more like you, as we love each other, may others come to know you, come to know your goodness and your care for them, come to know how much you have loved them and laid down your life for them. Lord, we commit this to you and we surrender to you. Forgive us for the times where we've made no time or effort to be with you. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice this week, that we would create a quiet place where we can just be with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. Uh, for more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.